Is remote work bullshit? Does it face the same eventual reversal of fortunes as the open offices of the early 2010s? In our experience at startups.com, no, not at all. On today's Startup Therapy podcast, we're going to talk about when and how remote work or work from home policies can really have a positive impact on a startup and how you can ward off some of the potential challenges. Welcome back to another episode of Startup Therapy from Startups.com. This is Ryan Rutan. I am joined, as always, by my partner, CEO of Startups.com, Will Schroeder. Will, this is an interesting one. Uh, we're going to be talking about work from home and you know our, our entire adventure around work from home, which has evolved significantly uh, over the last few years, started off with, with an idea that you had and then seem to simultaneously hate the moment after you suggested it. And uh, I'm not convinced that you didn't want the work from home experiment to fail. <laughs> You're actually exactly right. I remember thinking, I've got this stupid idea. People want to work from home so bad. Let's let them work from home. And I'll show, <laughs> I'll show you all what happens <laughs> when you don't go to the office every day. <laughs> and I, I don't think it was exactly that. But I think at the back of my mind... I really wanted this to be proven wrong. <laughs> I wanted to prove to everybody that yeah. you actually did need to come in every day. So it, this wasn't about being open-minded and liberal about our policy. It was about being draconian about our policy and <laughs> having to yeah. fight my way into it. Well, it wasn't, you know, we wasn't came, what I had we came in mind. from a world where, yeah, well, we came from a world where that wasn't the thing, right? Like it's kind of like telling a, a Boy Scout now that you know we, we're not going to use fires anymore. So that uh, that that you know, merit badge that you earned for uh, for building fires, it's now defunct, right? So all of those badges of honor that you and I earned by being the first one into the office, the last one out, all of a sudden seem to matter a little bit less, right? When, if, if this is true, if being in the office doesn't correlate to productivity or gains or whatever, what does that say about all that time we spent in an office over our off. 20 years prior to making this. <laughs> I yeah, could right? So many other things. But, you know, it's interesting, man. We've got 200 employees at the company now. Uh, the company's changed dramatically since we started it, what, seven years ago. And almost the entire staff is remote. You know, and it's it's all U.S.-based. Yeah. Well, for the most part, you're not. You're, <laughs> you and a few other people I'm are, not. Not right are the now. only... Yeah, a lot of people don't know this, but when Ryan and I do this podcast... Uh, I'm often doing it from Columbus, Ohio, and Ron, Ryan's doing it from Guatemala. So we are we are yes. in very different parts of the world. Two people, very different places. Yeah, yeah. People think we're in the same room. We are. We are not. We are not. But but neither is most of our staff at this point. And I and I like today. I'd like to talk about work from home. And Ryan, I think we could have a really interesting conversation about this. But I think we can also talk about how it not only changed our internal culture, our productivity, but also changed. Our hiring, because prior to that, you may recall, yeah. I think we had one person that didn't work from home or work from the office, right? I mean, it was we did. A we had dramatic yeah. sea change. <laughs> we had one designer who worked from some maritime area of France, close to the the Italian border. Yeah, I mean, that, and that was and it. that was it. And he was the the total one off. And I yep. think a lot of us, when we think about creating these policies like remote work, work from home. We're terrified of it. I mean, <laughs> when we think about it, we, as owners of the business, you know, as uh, people who run the business, we're not thinking about it in terms of, man, everything is going to get so much better when we let everybody work from home. <laughs> At least that's not the way yeah. I was thinking about it. 
It'll be uh, it'll be a lot better for everybody if I can't glare at them, which is probably true now that I think about it. But yeah, it didn't feel right at the time. It it didn't. And I remember thinking, we'll run this experiment. And we did this thing. We, we did it for a limited time, if you recall, too, specifically for this reason, yeah. so we could unwind it if we had to. We said, we're going to start doing a work from home Wednesdays. And I remember writing the initial announcement email about this. And, and we had talked about this a lot. And I said, look, we're going to experiment with a day where everyone gets to work from home on a Wednesday. It'll be a good day to catch up on a lot of the things that just kind of get like life gets in the way type stuff, right? Where you're running to drop off yeah. dry cleaning or you have a doctor's appointment or all those random things where you need to do them during the work week, but it's just inconvenient when you're at the office. And it'll be a day to break yep. up the week. Like that was what I was most excited about. I like the idea that on uh, Tuesday yeah. night, you know, I knew I was, as I was having a cocktail with my wife that tomorrow morning I could work in my pajamas, right? That was actually pretty cool. Yep. <laughs> and I would say... Early on, it went off damn near without a hitch. And, and when I say the first week or two, everything was cool the first week or two. Every, everybody yep. kind of checked in. Yep. Everybody was good. Everything worked okay. And then I think things started to come off the rails a little bit. If you recall, once we got past week one or week two, people started to take it as a little bit more of an entitlement. And work from yep. home Wednesday became... Work some of the day Wednesday. <laughs> right, <laughs> like I've right. Got, I've got some scheduled time off. Show up Wednesday. online on Wednesday. Yeah. And then it started to, to bite us a bit. So before we kind of get into all the details, I just want to point out that over the past seven years, we've gone through this transition where we've gone from everybody's in the office all the time to everyone's in the office except for Wednesdays to the current state, which is we only work in the office on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Everyone that works from our office in Columbus, Ohio, which actually isn't that much of our staff, which is part of this discussion, works from home Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. The rest of our staff across the entire country works from home the entire time. And so we've had to wrestle with, you know, <laughs> how do you tell some of our staff that you have to come to the office, but tell the entire rest of the staff, which is 85% of our staff, that you have to, you know, you soften the blow work. by making it two days a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, it, 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 and I think that worked. But what I think we should do, if you're cool with this, is just let's walk folks through the big questions that everybody has that, you know, founders like us have. Yeah, yeah. And what was terrifying <laughs> us about every step of the process. So, Ryan, I'm going to pose this one to you so you can kind of think about it. Uh, one of the first ones, obviously, was... Won't everyone just goof off at home? <laughs> Are, aren't yeah, we increasing everybody's it, right? Netflix and Xbox time <laughs> the moment we set off this chain of events? What was your take on it? Hey, look, we all want to leverage those investments, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So you know, it was it was interesting. It was interesting to see when, where, and who it manifested in for me, uh, and it was pretty obvious, right? You know, uh, it, it, I think if you're the type of company that that doesn't have a good sense of of what people are doing, what they're responsible for, and when, if you don't already have a good pattern of communication, this can be a lot more difficult. But the the reality was that not being in the same place for for one day a week didn't really matter as much, right? And, and we already had people kind of migrating around the office, right? and I, I know that's not the same thing. But it's not like people were just sitting at a desk all day, every day, right? We had people working outside. We had people working from, you know, the basement or working from the, uh, the the group lunch table. So we were already having this kind of like I'm not tethered to a desk. I'm, I'm moving around a bit, and so I think that that helped soften things a little bit. But the reality was, we saw a few people abuse it, 
right? Most of the people did not, right? And and we've talked about this a lot that, you know, for 95% of the staff, it was great. And you made a really good point a couple months into this, as we were having to make the hard decision of letting someone go. And it wasn't just because of their work from home performance, but that was another, another nail in the coffin, if you will, uh, another data point for us to look at. And, and you said, you know, all this really did was give us better visibility on being able to make this decision, right? This just gave us an acceleration of something that was already going to happen, right? Because the reality was the people who were doing their jobs, who were invested in their work and wanted to get things done, were going to do that no matter where they were sitting. And the people they were who doing it in our office. Doesn't, yeah, that's the thing. That, that same person was goofing off in the office just as easily as goofing off at home. Right. And so I think that um, once we came to that realization, that really just does become around, you know, making sure you get the right expectations set with people, um, making sure they understand their roles well and, 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 and are engaged and want to get the work done uh, becomes a lot less of a problem. The other thing that was really interesting to me was as we increased the amount of work from home time, I felt like that became easier to manage towards, not harder. And here's why. why. If somebody's only out of the office one day a week, you can kind of mask what goes on that day of the week, right? It's just one day. It's 20% of your week. So if not as much happens that day, it may not be apparent. If you're working from home three days a week and you're goofing off, that becomes really apparent really quick. 60% of your week is spent outside the office. So if you're not productive at home or wherever you're working from, because not everybody works from home. Some go to cafes, they go to co-working, they go wherever. If you're not productive when you're outside the office, that's going to show really quick as you dial that up. And so, you know, in hindsight, to some degree, I can say that, you know, it may be an easier transition for some companies to have people who are fully remote than, than the sort of part-time remote. Because... Yeah all of their performance is going to be based on that same circumstance. You make a good point. I think, and I remember Steph mentioned this years ago. She said, what is one of our remote workers? She said, you know, I've only worked remote. So yeah. a day remote, a day work from home isn't special to me. Or I'm not, I'm not, yep. you, know, you know, planning a party around it because that day isn't any more exactly it. <laughs> unusual than any other day. But if yep. it's your only day off, so to speak, you absolutely treat it differently. And, and yeah. I think we saw that without question. And I think what, what happened too is when we first implemented the program, and I think this is important to note, when we first implemented the program, I think people didn't know how to adjust for it. Again, I thought about it as I'm going to wake up in the morning, put on my footy pajamas and work. And I just thought about it as like, right. like a comfortable, fun way to work. Yep. Other folks looked at it as... I can go out partying tonight and I don't have to worry about tomorrow because it's work from home day. So I, as long as I check in on Slack, yeah. I can show that I'm in. Yep. And so they looked at it as it's a quasi day off. And I think that became a bigger challenge when we first introduced it because for, folks weren't used to it yet. So I think... It was a shock to the system. It was a bit of a break-in period. And, and I think yeah, if we were talking to ourselves or we were coaching somebody else that was going through the same process who is considering this, and I think a lot of folks are, I think one of the things we'd say is don't take the first results you get as an absolute indication of the process, right? Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> give it time. True in, in so many things in a startup, right? The early false negative is a hallmark of the startup life, right? Like we constantly get unexpected or bad or poor results uh, uh, when we when we first try something. 
right? It's, it's knowing, you know, it's knowing when that point of like, okay, let's power through this um, and, and get to the other side and see what it really looks like. And we, we see that in so many aspects of running the business. I remember this is years back, long before startups.com, I was running this business and we had instituted a program where we had uh, work from home on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And it was pushed for mainly by the development team who just wanted to, they worked all crazy hours. They just wanted a little bit more flexibility. But again, we federated to the entire company. So everyone was doing it. And we had yeah, quite yeah. a few people at the time. And I'll never forget, one of the developers on, on his exit interview, he was getting recruited away to some other company. He sits across from me point blank and said, hey, I got to tell you, Will, work from home is bullshit. He said, all I do all day is get stoned and drunk and wait for the day to pass. <laughs> I was oh like, my God. Oddly, your productivity's never been higher. Oh, my God. I mean, he actually was a pretty good developer and all <laughs> to his credit. Yeah. But I remember being so enraged, also shocked that he was willing to be so yeah. honest about it. I mean, it's his ex interview, that. so he can say that. But yeah. he wasn't saying it as like a like a thumb in my eye kind of thing. He was saying it just to say, hey, I you probably should have a little bit more visibility on what's actually happening during this time yeah, that yeah, you yeah. gave off to folks. And that always stuck with me. And I think one of the things yeah. that I processed with that very poorly was that's just one guy. Right. Again, that was the, the in, in our case, when we first first started running the program, we heard of people taking trips during those days, actually literally taking it like, like it was yeah. a weekend off. Yep. And I remember thinking, I can't make that mistake again. I can't think that because one or two people did something silly that that represents everybody. But man, did it keep me up at night. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But then that, I think that that's a it's a great segue into what I think is probably one of the other major, major questions that people have when considering, you know, work from home, remote work, um, either part or full-time. And that's how do we manage productivity, right? How do we make sure that output stays consistent or improves depending on what your objectives are when I can't see the people and they're not sitting right there in front of me, right? And so I think that's something we should definitely dig into. Well, I think it has a couple levels to it. I think, you know, output is a, certainly the ultimate goal. But one of the issues that I was running into was we have a very young staff. The average age in our staff is 27 years old. I'm 45 and I'm a senior citizen. I'm actually the oldest person in the company. <laughs> but you but get we the closest have, parking space now just so that you get to work on time. <laughs> I get the handicap spot. But what was interesting about it is 27 is the average age, but there's a lot of folks that are much younger than that. This is essentially their first yep. job. Super smart, uh, energetic, but when you don't have a context for why this is special or how to treat this or how to manage productivity with this, it becomes a real challenge. Yeah. And so for our younger staff members who show up and they hear that you don't have to come to work on Wednesday, they, they just hear the parts where don't work on Wednesday. Right. That, right that's yeah. kind of, that's all they hear. <laughs> and so they're also learning how to, how productivity is managed for the first time. They're learning how the office works and everything else. So sometimes it was a little bit challenging for us to kind of break in younger staff members under what was becoming a very liberal office policy because they don't have anything to compare it to. Yeah. Older staff members, not an issue. I mean, if you think about it, if, if you look at all the people that we had challenges with, the older staff members were never the challenge. They looked at it as a gift, a huge gift. Yeah, yeah. The, the younger staff members, not their fault, by the way, 
I think started to take it as an entitlement. And no, I, I, I think they did. Right. And, and again, to your point, not necessarily out of malice. No, they just they didn't know any better. They had no context for what the other version of work looked like, because up until that point, you know, they'd had school, they'd had university and they had their first job, which was us. And yeah, so we, we, we set them off on, on a great foot on one hand, but with, with maybe <laughs> without having those expectations set in the first place, the value wasn't there for them. And so therefore they were more likely to abuse it because they didn't understand the value. They didn't understand what they were, you know, jeopardizing by not treating it with, with the appropriate amount of concern and respect. And I think for a lot of organizations, they have a fairly young staff, especially startups. So I, I want to stick with this point for a second because, Ryan, we're talking about how do we manage productivity, but there's another fa facet to this, which is how do we establish with our staff what productivity is and what the guidelines yeah, and yeah. rules are working at their first job in many cases or how we do things yeah. when they're not actually here to engage with, Right. We engage in lots of ways in Slack and, you know, a million different ways that aren't actually talking to each other anymore. But I still think there's some value in, in seeing everybody coming at the same time, interacting with your coworkers and, and seeing some sort of chain of command that sometimes gets lost when nobody sees each other. Yeah, no, it certainly can. Yeah, and I think that there, there are definitely positive and negative aspects to this specific point. But I think it is, and again, exacerbated when it's a younger staff where they haven't been in an environment where that was true. Again, they just, they don't have the context for it. So what do you think that we did particularly well in that regard, in terms of, of helping then as we moved forward with the newer hires, once this, these policies were already in place, what do you think that we did really well to enable that and, and to, to make this work? Because it works now. We know it works. It, right? We're it on the works other side now. of this and, and there's... But I got to yeah. say... <laughs> I don't want to say we made some examples of folks because that's certainly not what it was. But there were there are some cases I can remember, and I'll recite them, where things came off the rails, and we had to kind of yeah. put our foot down so that everybody else, kind of yep. in that age group, if you will, would be like, "Oh, okay, well, you don't do that." Do you remember we had somebody yeah. that, that was watching Netflix for nine hours a day? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, look, look, there's a lot of great series out there, yeah. and so, <laughs> and I remember having to have a discussion and they were working, you know, with Netflix on the full day, like binge watching Netflix all day yes. at the office, by yep. the way, while they were doing whatever their other work was. And I remember having to sit across and be like, you know, you can't do that. Right. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. You know? But I'm working. Right. It is. While like, watching Netflix. Yeah. This isn't like when you were studying for finals and you could watch Netflix in the yeah. background. Like, we're paying you to be kind of focused here. And it wasn't out of malice good employee. But I remember thinking, they've never heard this before. <laughs> as crazy as this sounds. Yeah, right. This is the first time they've ever heard that you can't do that. And then there were other cases where I had folks like on Facebook all day. And again, these were habits that were yeah. ingrained in them for years leading up to yep. their first job. And they get there and we're like, look, man, you can't spend nine hours a day on Facebook, right? I mean, like YouTube or YouTube or whatever. And I remember it, it came to us because of all things, this is so funny. Do you remember we were having uh, network connectivity issues, right? Like our VOIP yes. and stuff was getting slowed down. <laughs> right, like <laughs> we what's trying, going on? 
we what's eating up all our bandwidth? Out. Yeah, oh. we were trying to figure out what the hell is going like, on with their bandwidth. There were three domains responsible for it. YouTube, <laughs> exactly. Netflix, and Facebook. I'm like, oh, right. And so Easy enough. I bring this up because at a meta level, you have to be mindful that if the folks that you're trying to create more liberal policies around have never had any other policies, they're not going to compare it like a gift. They're going to compare it, okay, well, now I get to watch Netflix from home versus Netflix at the office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just right. don't know any better. <laughs> Fantastic. And, you know, when we expanded our, our work from home, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that, from just Wednesday to Monday and Friday, we got all kinds of interesting reports uh, from our staff and good reports. I'm talking about feedback from the staff, mostly from parents. And again, we should definitely dig into what that meant and why that was important. But but saying, I get to yes. see more of my kids. Actually, my kid goes to, to childcare a little bit less, which means they're watching the kid or, or chasing a kid versus, quote, doing their work. But it didn't matter. Yep. Because going back to the point I think we should dig back into, we had metrics at that point to know what they should be getting done. Which, by the way, those metrics were set by people who weren't watching Netflix all day. If if the right. if the high if the waterline was set by the folks that were watching Netflix and were getting the equivalent of two hours worth of work a day, that doesn't work. Right? We well, need to that have wouldn't work in the office either. <laughs> that you, would, you bet, man. That would um, be a very poor watermark. It only worked for us because we had enough folks that were performing at a high enough level that weren't doing things like that that we could say, hey, if you're not performing as fast as them, there's probably something wrong. And lo and behold, you're watching Netflix all day. Yeah. Yeah, that was the thing. Like we had enough, we had enough data and we we had enough time in office too. I think this would also be a different challenge and one that we haven't experienced if you're starting a company, right? So if you're at a very early stage, and and I have talked to a number of startups in the last even just like three or four weeks, um, they're pulling together teams now and they're starting completely remote. They're like, yeah, I'm here, my co-founder's there, you know, the the two developers we hired, one's in Florida, one's in in Nevada, and they're building the company from zero starting remote, which I think presents a slightly different challenge. You know, you and I had a couple of advantages in that we had the context of the old way of doing things, right? We had the draconian methodology where, you know, we're, we're in office, so we had something to compare it to. And, you know, we, we based our productivity benchmarks on years and years of work. Uh, and then we also started the company and had people in office, right? It was it was years into this before we we began the work from home Wednesday, and so we had some pretty good benchmarks for what to expect from a productivity. So I think it does definitely impact things if you're beginning the company fully remote. So you'll have to be a little more diligent in putting forth some sort of you know whether you want to use OKRs or or some other methodology for tracking projects, output, and accomplishment. Um, I think that may be that much more critical. It's always important, right, to be able to track productivity. But I think that if you're starting remote, it's a different challenge. You and I had the benefit of a couple data points as we made the decision to move over to remote. And it's always the case. Right. And so as far as I'm concerned, you know, when I look at the move over to, to work from home, if you have the right benchmarks, even if the folks are remote, work from home, what have you, you're in a good place. It's always challenging in the early days to say, should the development team or should the marketing team 
be hitting these benchmarks or higher benchmarks? How do I know because I don't have any other benchmarks? And that honestly just takes yep. a little bit of time to work toward you. you. You basically, you start to work toward the most aggressive goals you can get to. And then if you get to them, those become your waterline for what you're trying to get higher than the next time. Yep. So if we talk about, again, people managing toward their, their goals, et cetera, that's part of productivity. But when we try to compare their productivity, because I think it's a big important point, to them working in the office versus them working from home or remote, et cetera. Yep. That got really interesting to me. Because because I think the the conclusion, right? The 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 pre-conclusion, right? The the expectation is that, well, of course, people are just gonna get more done in the office. I think that's what everybody enters into this thinking. And I think that we sort of prove that wrong. Well, I also think what the office is has changed so dramatically over the last 10 to 15 years that you just can't compare it to what being in the office used to mean. I think <laughs> yeah. about it like this. For me, being in the office used to mean I had, other than my phone ringing, zero access to the outside world. Right? <laughs> yeah. there's, no, there's no Facebook, there's no YouTube, there's, there's nothing. If you're in the office, there was nothing else to do but your work. Right, So it was this yep. mass level of focus, which, by the way, is, is super helpful. The second part was, <clears throat> when I was in the office, the only way to communicate, collaborate with my coworkers was to be in the office. If you had to be <laughs> yep. in a meeting in order to communicate important information. Now, that's 15 years ago, let's say. We fast forward, yep. say, another five years. Uh, we have social media. And I would say really even the last seven years, and again, people's mileage will vary on this, social media has become acceptable at the office. Now, some companies, you know, big companies, still turn social media off like, as if their phones don't work. Yep. But what I th thought was really interesting watching this firsthand was watching social media enter the workplace in a way where I could basically be at my desk for nine hours a day and get no work done whatsoever. <laughs> I could just sure. simply be you, on you the have internet. something to take your attention on yeah. any moment of the day. That didn't used to exist, right? So just when we're making the apples to apples comparison, if I was at the office, I had nothing to do but work. Now I can be at the <laughs> office and do almost anything. You can anything stare at that photograph across the room from you with uh, you know the picture of last year's golf outing <laughs> for about <laughs> 30 it? seconds. You're like, no, okay, that's, I'm done. I'm going to go back to work now. Yep. And so the question would then become, well, then – wouldn't I have gotten a lot more work done in the past? And here's what's weird. Me personally, I don't know that I did. I think the focus helped. I agree with that. There's no question that when I shut off all the distractions, I get more work, Ryan. I know yep. you do too. Yeah. But I don't think the argument that coming to work is where I need to collaborate. Uh, I need to come to work to be focused. I think all of the things that work coming to the office used to represent are mostly gone. And I yeah. think I think that's a lot to con contend with, especially for founders that have been at this for a while. Yeah, I think it is. It was it was a big mental shift for for me to start to realize that not only because the, the first realization for me was that I found that I had more focus and better productivity on the days I wasn't in the office. Now that didn't mean it Why was is a that? total net loss the days I was in. It came down to distractions. For me, I had more distractions in the office than I did outside. You know, when you're part of leadership, one of the things that happens when you're in the office is people come to you sure. with a lot of things. When somebody shows up at your desk, 
you don't get to ignore the notification, right? Right. <laughs> You're literally standing there. When somebody sends me a Slack message, I get to choose if I'm going to respond to it now or in 15 minutes, an hour, um, or maybe push it over to email or something else. But what I found, and particularly exacerbated by the fact that we had an open office layout, I was overhearing everything. I don't want to go off on a diatribe about you know introvert, extrovert, but the the introvert in me had a hard time ignoring all of that feedback and input. And it was very distracting. And I would find myself engaging in conversations because I, I had something to add to them. And it was a huge distraction for me. People coming to my desk for me just overhearing things and wanting to, you know, wanting to be involved. Again, it doesn't mean that there was a net negative impact to being in the office because certainly my input helped those people to do their job and right? helped them to move forward. But in terms of my personal productivity, I realized that the things that I needed to focus and go heads down on got done got done better, got done faster when I wasn't in a distracting environment. And then the most distracting environment at that period for me was being in the office. This, this, the evolution of that then was to realize that that might be true for a lot of the people around me, right? First was just like, ah, I need that environment, but I didn't apply it to anybody else's situation at first, right? I still assume that, okay, yeah, I'm better off if I can just have quiet time because of my circumstances, because of, you know, I'm in leadership, because of whatever. Um, but I still assume that they all needed to be in the bullpen where we could keep an eye on them. <laughs> so it yeah. took a little time for me to go, oh, it probably worked for them too. <laughs> <laughs> where I would say I saw the sea change is for a good portion of the time that we were building startups.com, I was living in two cities. I was living in Columbus, Ohio, and then living yes. in San Francisco, and I was back and forth about uh, two to three weeks there, two to three weeks here, back and forth. And then in Beverly Hills, uh, same thing, going back and forth. And this was for a total period of about five years living in both those cities at, simultaneously. And yep. where it got interesting for me is we were a very early adopter for not just Slack, but Skype chat and everything before that. So we were yes. a chat-enabled enterprise for a very long time and kind of Slack's the de facto, but again, we were on that train a lot sooner. But Slack really changed things for us. And this is no you know, big note to Slack. This is just a chat uh, atmosphere. And what yeah. would happen, though, is uh, I would get online. Let's say I'm waking up in San Francisco. And I get online and I start chatting with everybody on Slack. They don't know where I am. They don't know whether I'm in Columbus yeah. or in San Francisco. They don't care. Yeah. Actually, nothing changed. Then I would come back to Columbus and a really interesting thing happened. We have an open uh, office in Columbus, and the office is now dead silent. All you can hear is <laughs> the Sonos it's library. Playing. It's unnerving. <laughs> in, in keyword, yeah, it's bizarre. Everyone's talking nonstop. If you could, if you could yeah. turn that off, you could turn Slack off. In fact, that happens every now and again when our power goes out or our internet goes out. All of a sudden, the office erupts <laughs> in, in discussion yeah. because yes. we, we can't be on our devices for like one second. We actually have to talk to each other. But where it gets interesting to me is me at, you know, as a CEO being a, either in the office overseeing folks, I guess, or being away, nothing changed. Uh, so I got to see both environments, which what it was like if I was there and not there, not a single bit of difference. And... Yeah. Boy, I don't know. You could make the arguments to say it helps to have face-to-face -face conversation. It does, particularly when things are going shitty. But short of that, once we move to a chat-based environment, I don't, I don't know that being physically in front of each other 
even mattered anymore. I don't even notice it. You and I have talked about this. You and I have talked about this many times. Like when when we were both in the Columbus office, we sat arm's length from each other. Yeah. Right. And we could have easily, literally turned 90 degrees, not even, because we had those two big monitor banks. Right? So we were kind of like 40. We were basically looking across each other's line of sight. We could have turned 45 degrees <laughs> to talk to each other. And yet the default was to use Slack. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Or before that, Gchat and before that, Skype, right? So we right. were we've been we've been on chat for a long time now. And it just became the de facto, right? Because to your point, you almost forget. You almost forget that because I'm having three conversations at once, right? I'm talking to somebody over at the sales team about, you know, some challenge they're having with their leads coming in. Um, I'm talking to a contractor in a, in another state um, or another country about a project that needs to get wrapped up. And then I, I, I'm talking to you about, you know, I don't know, a, a new hire or something else. And you almost forget where those people are located physically because doesn't really matter. I right? think that became we just need an to have the conversations. I, th- yeah, uh, I think some so people would be against this, especially for folks who haven't done it. And it's understandable. I, I understand all the arguments. And so this isn't trying to tell you what to think. It's just trying to give you data points to consider. The idea is, yeah, but once we break up the team, once we're not in the same room, we're not going to have the same mojo. And some of that is true. Uh, there is some value to having folks kind of all locked up in the same room. But it could be overstated. I think it's probably worth beer pong about. is definitely easier. Yeah, uh, we've, <laughs> yeah, we've struggled with that one. And then look, uh, uh, since we've moved to three days a week work from home, the culture's lost a little bit. You know, we just don't see each other that much, right? We're in the office, yeah. but we just don't see each other that much. So you know, a lot of those chance encounters don't happen. But right. we get an awful lot done. And the other part I think we should talk about is what are the benefits to folks being at home? And I, I, I don't mean. The business benefits, although some of this pours back, I mean the personal benefits. Where does it make our staff significantly happier? And how does that benefit us as a business? I think it's, it's worth yeah, talking about Yeah, I think it's important. Those. Because something you just said, I think, could be, could be misconstrued, which was to say that, like, you know, we've, we've lost some company culture. And, and, and that's not untrue, right? I think we have. But I think that rather than saying we lost, I, I'd say we've traded some company That's culture, and we've traded it for some some personal, some home culture, some some other things that that have allowed people to be happier. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how great your your company culture is if the rest of life isn't awesome. Great point. All right, it it goes downhill really quick. Right, and and then that starts to invade. And we talked about that. Right, the cost of a toxic employee. We've already we've already done a full podcast on that. That does start to invade work. Right, it does work the other way. So, you know, life can enter the workplace, but, you know, the workplace cannot totally prop up life. Well, so, yeah, I think there are a ton of benefits, right? And, and I think let's some, go of, through some, obvious, of, some of them maybe less so. I, yeah. I think it's, it's worth bringing up. Sometimes this is less so when you have a younger workforce, but I'm just going to bring this up first. You get to see your spouse and kids. And yeah. for, for those it's of us. Huge deal. Yeah. For those of us uh, like me that probably grew up on the other side of things where I had two work parents that were always working that I never saw, you know, couldn't pick me up from games, couldn't pick yep. me up from school, et cetera. Having a, a parent home, even if, you know, they're, they're, they're stacked up in, the, in their home office or wherever they need to be to get their work done. I get to see my kids three days a week, not to mention the weekends, just do fun, silly, stupid stuff that I yep. would have otherwise never gotten to see. Right. You know, you miss little Will, my son, he's three years old, comes up to me 
a couple days ago, I think I sent you a picture on Slack of this, and he's dressed as Woody from uh, from <laughs> Toy Story, right? <laughs> yes. And yeah. he just looks adorable. He, it like, cracks yep. me up, right? I would have totally missed yep. that, right? Yeah, and or, Ryan, or you would have seen it in a photo, right? And the photo was cute, but like there, it, nothing replaces that moment of being there because it's not just about you seeing him. It's about him seeing you totally. seeing him. And, and there's this piece where, you know, Ryan, you do a good job of saying, hey, here's what's happening throughout my day. Here's where I'm getting a chance to pitch in with my wife. Here's a ch- chance where I'm getting to spend time with my kids that I wouldn't have a- otherwise had. Yeah. And I think it's safe to say, and, and, and our staff has definitely said this in spades back to us, no amount of salary compares. No, it doesn't. All I really want- It's not want a trade is, that you would make once you've experienced it. You bet, man. All I want is my life to be better. And sometimes salary helps with that. You know, helps you buy some of the things that you need, afford some of the, 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 the life tasks that you need to get through and all those things. However, part of it is just, man, I can't believe I get to do this. And I think our culture has changed so dramatically. Let me put it this way. And I think we talked about this in, in an earlier podcast. We've had damn near zero attrition on our full-time hires. Uh, part-time is yeah. a little bit different for us because we have a big part-time culture. But we've had damn near zero attrition. It's what, almost September now? Um, yeah. And when we talk about to folks why, I mean, we pay pretty well. You know, we're a pretty cool company, I guess. But everyone says the same thing. It's the way we run our policies. And they're talking about work from home as probably being yeah. our, our single uh, greatest attractor. It's the, it's the North Star, I think, for sure. I think it's the one that, that sets us most apart. And what's interesting, uh, because if we do look across, right, you know, like there's, it's, it's always difficult to give everybody everything you want to give them, right? When we talk about benefits and things like that. The work from home has been able to trump you know, where, where we aren't able to provide everything we'd want from other benefits, right? Like health insurance is, is, is a really tough one to nail when you have a company as big as ours is now. It's that, that size where you don't really have like the full purchasing power, nor are you small enough that it doesn't matter. And we have a really diverse staff in terms of age, you know, you know young families uh, or, or single people all the way up through, you know, mature families with, with kids and different needs. And it's been interesting to see that people have said, you know, like, that doesn't matter to me as much as, right? You would think that'd be like one of those things where like, man, that's got to be the most important thing. Mm-hmm. It turns out there are other ways to solve that. There aren't other ways to solve the things that you get from work from home. It also it's costs been nothing. an extremely powerful, right? That's a thing. Well, it can, <laughs> it can cost you a lot. Um, if you do it, it wrong. Per some of the discussions we've had above, right? Like people just goofing off, not working, doing whatever. But when you get it right, yeah, it's, it's a free benefit um, that has a ton of value. Well, and I think when, when people look at, and, and the, as they should, you know, highly employable people are constantly looking at what are my other opportunities and, you know, they should. But when they start to do apples to apples comparison and they say, okay, I'm a developer and I make $160,000 at this company. I could go to this company and make $170,000, but then I would yeah. lose all of the benefits that come with working at this company and all the freedom and all the understanding, if you will. You know, again, the company yeah, understands exactly. that I'm going to work on this schedule, et cetera. It's not even close. In yeah. fact, the idea of jumping to another company and then having all of these shackles put on you sounds awful. I was just getting ready to go there, actually. And so it's, you know, there's there's a huge difference. This is where I, I feel so good about what we've done because it doesn't feel like a trap. Whereas a higher salary 
can truly be a trap. And there's some great literature out there, you know, look for golden handcuffs. Sure. Where at some point you get to a salary where then you become trapped by that salary. You can't leave or you don't want to because it's enabled these other things, right? Not necessarily healthy or even all that beneficial to you, but you become trapped by the money. Uh, whereas we've provided something, you know, and we pay great salaries, but the, like you're saying, the, the reason people are really choosing to stay is this other flexibility and freedom that we've given them. And that's not a shackle, right? That's, it's, it's, there's a magnetism to that uh, that makes people want to stay, not feel like they have to, right? It's not like, oh gosh, you know, I, I just, I, I can't leave because of this. Like, I don't want to leave because of this. Two totally different things. And one of them feels great and the other one does not at all. I agree. And I think from our standpoint, we never looked at it as a retention vehicle. It was just more of a, hey, no. let's try this and, and see how it increases overall happiness. And we've done a lot yeah. of podcasts on how important company happiness and personal happiness is yep. to us. And so, you know, we put our money where our mouth is, so to speak, and trying to test these things uh, firsthand. And all the stuff we've tried doesn't always work, but, but it's, yeah, no. it's always worth testing. And I think that with our staff, with all the different things that we've tried and all the different things that have worked, I think collectively it's built a culture that's almost like none other. I'll give one caveat. If you go to San Francisco, where it's one of the most competitive job markets there is, you can't possibly compete <laughs> with, with, yeah. with, with how many benefits a single company, you know, try to, come, try to compete with Google. Good luck with that, right? Um, yeah. But I think if you're the average startup and you're trying to get something incredible going, giving people the freedom and the latitude to work how they want to work on their own schedule, on their own time, while still hitting their goals, it'd be silly not to try it. Yeah. Well, and as you brought up right in the beginning, you can just try it, right? That's exactly what we did. We started by saying, and I don't remember, did we say we we're going to do it for a month or the summer? It was something like that. There was a, there was a very well-defined time period. I think it maybe it was just like the month of July or sure. something. And, and that's what we did, right? And, you know, with the, with the explicit uh, intent to roll it back once it was done, right? That was the way we, we positioned to the team. We're going to do this for a month, right? As a, as a benefit to you for the summertime. And then we sort of knew that it was a test period and that if it worked, that we could continue it. Um, but we didn't necessarily share that far and wide. It was, yeah, we're just going to, this is just a, a summer benefit, right? And then once we proved out that it actually worked and that there were, you know, long-term benefits to doing this and that it wasn't just, you know, an amenity for the staff, but that it was actually good for the company, um, then we extended it. So, and it's, it's super easy to test per our other comment. It's free. Yeah. Right? It costs you nothing. Hell, it'll save you some money on electricity <laughs> a, a one day a week. <laughs> well, I mean, think about this, man. When we first started it, again, we had almost everybody in-house. Once yeah. we ran that program, it not only unlocked, hey, this, uh, we've got more freedoms within the company and we've got a more liberal working policy. It yeah. also fundamentally changed all of our hiring. <laughs> yes. From that point on, when we found great folks anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world that made sense, we already had essentially a remote working staff in uh, infra infrastructure that could welcome anyone from every anywhere. Yeah, and that it was no a longer a decision benefit. point. It was no longer a concession for us to say, well, we found this person, but they're in. Like that but went away. We didn't care anymore. Right. We just said like, look, and this, this is really important if you're in a secondary or tertiary market, right? If you're building a startup somewhere where there's not a giant, you know, competent workforce in all things startup that you need, uh, this becomes really important, right? So you don't become tethered to your local job market or have to go, you know, arm and leg uh, or over the top 
to try to bring people from other markets to your secondary tertiary market, which may not be that attractive to them. Right. So, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right that it completely unlocked a benefit to to the company in terms of our ability to hire. That's a wrap for this episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan on behalf of my partner, Will Schroeder, and all the Startups.com family thanking you for joining us. And we hope you'll continue to join us. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or wherever you love to listen to Startup Therapy. You can find all of our episodes at startups.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more amazing resources to launch or grow your startup, be sure to head to startups.com and check out Startups Unlimited. It's everything we have to offer from our online university to our amazing community of experts and founders, and even all the tools we've built like BizPlan, Fundable, and LaunchRock. It's everything a founder needs. Visit startups.com slash begin That's startups.com slash B-E-G-I-N. You'll thank me later.